Good morning. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from the book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 1 through 15, a very familiar story of Joseph, and also from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 29 through 32. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there, was, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, a lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and, and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. Bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Years ago, a couple of few, a few years ago, Ray LaMontagne sang a song about trouble and, and how the love of a good woman saved him. And he sang, he sang the song, the, the opening of the song was, trouble, 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 trouble's been dogging my soul since the day I was born. Ah. And those lyrics, they resonated with people. He sold a lot of songs and he sold a lot of records because people can relate to trouble dogging their soul. Because troubles, they are personal, aren't they? They're local, they're national, 
They're global. They dog us. And they are, they, they are in all kinds of forms. It's the coronavirus blues. It's social and, and cultural disruption. It's racial and, and ethnic prejudice. It's religious persecution. It's displaced peoples. It's governments abusing their citizens. Trouble. However, the scripture here presents Joseph's story to remind us of some truths that God plans to save us from trouble and that troubles don't stop God's plan, but are his instruments to bring about deliverance where we see troubles, tears transform to kisses of joy. This is the story. This is what we're taught in the story of Joseph. So God plans to save us from trouble. See, the story of Joseph and the text in Romans shows us God's, God's mercy is preemptive in the midst of our trouble. And you know how troubles, troubles they, you know, they come as a result of, of disobedience to God, either your own disobedience or, or someone else's disobedience. You know, Joseph is in Egypt because of his brother's disobedience to God. As you notice, too, in the text in Romans 11, in verse 30, where it says, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so now they, too, have now become disobedient in order that they, too, may now, have, may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. You see? Trouble. Trouble is the result of disobedience to God. In his text here in, in Romans, the Israelites are suffering rejection for now because of their disobedience to God. And they're disobedient to God. What is it? It's not obeying the gospel. Romans 10.3, Paul, Paul explains this. He said, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Earlier we saw in Romans 1 how the Gentiles are separated from God because through their disobedience to God, they didn't know God. And so we have between the Jews and the Gentiles two ways of, of seeking to be righteous apart from God. And trying to be righteous apart from God is sin. And it keeps you bound to disobedience to God. And trouble will continue to dog you. And you know how people, you know how we, you know how we, how we, how we say it and how people say it in general when they talk about trouble, that's something, something that, that, that happens to them. You know, they'll, they'll say, this, God must be angry with me. Or you have the other folks who, who on the other side, if things are going well and, 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 and things seem to be going your way, people are like, you must be living right. But see, that's the way you are if you don't know God. That's the way, that's the way you think. That's the way you think when troubles hit. But with, with God, like the story of Joseph, with God in the equation, the believer has a different perspective on trouble. Because certainly Joseph knew this. He was falsely accused of, of rape when he was being sexually harassed by his boss's wife daily. He goes to jail for several years. 
with what looked like, you know, a glimmer of hope while he's in prison when he interprets Pharaoh's cupbearer's dream. And the cupbearer, he goes and he, he was to tell Pharaoh about Joseph because Joseph had explained his dream, but he forgot. And Joseph stayed in prison two more years. And when he gets out, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. He gets promoted by Pharaoh. He marries the priest's daughter and has a couple of kids and he names it. And listen to the names of, their, of his children and the meaning. He says, the first one is Manasseh. And he says this, he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The other son, he names Ephraim, and he says this about it. He says, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. See, he viewed his trouble through the lens of God's preemptive mercy. He saw God's plan to save from trouble. And as we see, troubles don't stop God's plan. This is good news. In Romans eleven thirty two 32, and in Genesis 45, 5, we see this. Romans 11, for God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Did you hear that? In order to have mercy on all, God bound all over to disobedience. That's good news. That's good news. Because the trouble, it says the trouble of my disobedience isn't going to stop God's plan to save. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, this is similar to what Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis 45, 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, Joseph in that, in that verse acknowledges both their responsibility and God's sovereignty. They sold him into slavery, but preemptively to save lives, God sent me ahead of you. Hallelujah. Troubles don't stop God's plan to save. And isn't it amazing that Joseph could say to his brothers, do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves? How could Joseph speak such comforting words to his brothers who had such ill intent toward him? He saw God's hand in it all. He learned that troubles don't stop God's plan to save. Now, you're a Christian you have to wrap your mind around that. You have, you have to wrap your mind around this whole, this whole truth about God's sovereignty and, and the troubles that you suffer, the, the troubles that, that, that of, the, of the times. You have to wrap your mind around it. Coronavirus doesn't stop God's plan to save. God's plan to save is bigger than a pandemic. And when you see things through the lens of God's preemptive mercies, you can be a source of calm. See, how could Joseph say these things to his brothers? How could he tell them not to be, not to be angry at themselves for selling me here? How could he do that? Except that he saw through the lens of God's preemptive mercy. You can be a source of calm because see, you don't have to get upset. You don't have to get upset at what someone says about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. You don't have to, to get angry at someone else who doesn't share your opinion about what's happening to our freedoms in the nation. 
And the reason you don't, the reason you don't have to be so, so harsh and so angry at them is because you know that it is God who is the one behind the troubles you suffer. So that, oh, yeah, so, and that through your suffering, through your suffering is his plan to save lives. Can you line up with God's plan? That's the question. You see that word, the word saving there in the Hebrew in, 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 uh, in Genesis 45 is, the word, is a word for preserving, reviving life. So the believer, as a believer, you have to wrap your mind around, around this truth that, that even sickness, God is preparing, he's preserving life. In the injustice that you suffer, God is reviving life. In the supposed loss of freedom, God is setting your life at liberty. God is sovereign over our troubles. Hallelujah. Therefore, troubles don't stop God's plan. But in fact, the scripture is telling us that troubles are his instruments to bring about deliverance. Because look at what it says in, in Genesis 45, 7 and 8. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. See, Joseph sees his being sold into slavery, his false imprisonment, and being forgotten by the cupbearer as God's tools to save lives by a great deliverance. You see, for this reason, he could say, and he said it four times, God sent me ahead of you. And he could say, not you, but God. See, there was a deliverance, he said. There's a deliverance that, that our family was going to need. And you and I couldn't have predicted how things were going to go, how this was going to happen. But God sent me, using your treachery, the system of Egyptian slavery, the false accusation of rape, wrongful imprisonment, and being forgotten. All trouble, all trouble, God used to humble me and to save all of you. See, Joseph had incredible trust. And where did he learn that? Well, maybe he probably learned it from his father Jacob, who learned it from his father Isaac, who learned it from his father Abraham. Because God had a promise to keep, and he made this promise to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. He said then, that, Abraham's asleep if you recall the story, then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. That's, the, that's why Abraham had to be asleep. You know, otherwise, you know, this is just a nightmare. You know, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You see, God didn't forget his promise. He had a promise to keep. He doesn't forget his people. But... He uses the disobedience and evil choices of others as well as their own to bring about his saving purposes. You see, that sounds fantastic. It is. <laughs> it is fantastic. You know, but it, and it's precisely the point that, that Paul makes here in Romans 11, 2 and 29 to 30, when he said, God did not reject his people. 
when he foreknew for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He's got a promise to keep. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. See, God used the disobedience of the Israelites as an instrument to save the Gentiles. You talk about counterintuitive. Yeah, who could have seen that coming? What a twist in the plot of God's saving plan. That he can use people's evil, disobedient choice to bring about his saving purposes. What? (laughs) That's power. You see, God doesn't forget his people, but by his foreknowledge, he preemptively uses their disobedience to save the world. That's exactly what Peter says on the day of of Pentecost as he's preaching to the crowd in Acts chapter 2. And he says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. You see, more than any of us know and more than any of us knew, Jesus knew that troubles are God's instruments to bring about deliverance. Hence, Jesus suffered the greatest trouble to bring about the greatest deliverance. For us, looking back at the cross, it could be said of Jesus, God sent you ahead of us to save many lives by a great deliverance. Is the salvation that you and I have, is that not a great deliverance? Yes. See, Jesus is the true and better Joseph. He had an unimpeachable trust in the Father's plan. No amount of trouble was going to move him away from God's saving plan. In fact, through Jesus Christ, trouble's pain and suffering is transformed as we who are in Jesus are now welcomed by the Father. And in Jesus, trouble's tears are transformed into kisses of joy. Isn't that a great thought? Look at Genesis 45, 1 and 2. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. You know, in the, in the story, Joseph weeps three times at, the, at least, and, you, and, and, and twice he's in secret weeping. He's secretly crying as he sees his brothers coming to him. But this third time, he couldn't hold it. He couldn't control it. Why do you suppose he weeps as hard as he does? See, the expression means he gave voice to his weeping. Troubles produce tears, don't they? Troubles' tears are years of pent-up sorrow. Many of you know 
that my parents were killed in a car accident when I was a teenager, just finishing junior high, and seven of us, there were 10 of us, seven of us though, ended up being orphans. Three of them, three were already old, they were already adults and out of the house. Uh, fast forward 30 years, I become a Christian, you know, I go to school, you know, I get married, we have children, we build houses, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm a truck driver, and for years, you know, I couldn't remember. I was, it was fading in my memory, my mother's face. One day, I, I come home from work, and, you know, this is nearly 30 years after my parents' accident, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen a, my mother's face. I hadn't seen a picture of it. And I walk in the door, and here's Connie. She greets me at the door with a picture of my mother. And before I could say a word, out came a flood of tears. Years of pent-up sorrow that I'd never expressed, or hardly ever expressed. See, those just came pouring out. It overwhelmed me. And those were troubles, tears, years of, of sorrow dammed up in the deep recesses of my heart. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because you have tears, you have tears that are subterranean. They're just below the surface. And all they need is, is, is that a smell or, 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 um, or something triggers a memory. All they need is just that, that right moment and, and it comes pouring out. But don't you love, don't you love the transformation of these tears in verse 15 of chapter 45 where it says, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. You see, they were all overwhelmed. They were all overwhelmed at the, at the revelation of who their brother had become. The last time they saw him, he was carried off as a, as a slave by some slave traders. Now he's the prime minister of Egypt. And here, he falls, that he falls on their necks, kisses them, and weeps over them, that is overwhelming. After, after the way they had treated him, that's not the welcome that they deserved. Can you imagine the revelation of Jesus Christ for us, to us, when we see him and what he's become? the Lord of all. You see, this picture of, of Joseph and his brothers, it so pictures the grace that you and I have received by the one that is greater than Joseph. Because don't you know that this scene here in Genesis 45, it, it foreshadows what it will be like when we reach the new Jerusalem, when we and who, who believe in Christ are there in the presence of God eternally. And the first words we hear, Revelation 21.3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Do you know what's happening there? Do you know what's taking place there? This is the transformation of troubles, tears into kisses of joy. This is the father falling on your neck and weeping, welcoming you. 
into his everlasting presence. So how are you viewing? How are you viewing the troubles of our times? Because if you don't see your troubles through the lens of God's preemptive mercies, through what lens are you looking? Are you looking through the lens of fatalism? That this is fate. This is, this, you know, you, if, if that's what you're looking through, if you're looking through the lens of fatalism, you'll end up unfeeling, uncaring about the suffering of others. Are you looking through a lens of pleasure? Living, living for the next thrill. I can't wait for this to pass. Bring on the fun. If that's what you're living for, you'll, you'll burn out. You'll be stripped of all joy. You know, Ray Lamontagne, he says that he was saved by the love of a woman that wouldn't let him go. How much more are you and I saved by the unfailing love of Christ? See, only when you see troubles through the lens of God's mercy can you develop a capacity for joy. And you can be assured of this joy because of the trouble that Jesus suffered on the cross. You and I have a father who does all things all things for the sake of his children, even giving up his one and only son for us all. And in Jesus, he transforms trouble's tears into kisses of joy by his unfailing love for us. And if you don't know this, if you don't know this, if you don't take this, take this truth about the goodness of God and his love for you, if you don't take that into the, the core of your soul, you'll be stuck in remorse. You'll be stuck in self-regret. See, it's good for our souls to hear. It's good for our souls to hear the message of the gospel. It, it's good for us to, to hear these words from Jesus. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for nailing me to the cross. God sent me ahead of you. See, friends, God has woven us together with Christ. He took our sin and gave us his life. We, we are responsible for the sin. His death was our death, but it was God's preemptive mercy that sought to save us before the foundation of the world. And we can't see the complete picture. We, we, we don't, but God does. We only see this mass of threads on the underside of, of, of the picture that's, that's being woven. Grant, Colfax Tuller, he put it poetically in the poem, The Weaver, when he says, my life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Your friends, in these days of trouble, leave the choice to him because God sent his son ahead of us. Let's pray. Lord, 
We marvel, we wonder at these truths of, of your great love for us and Lord and how it is moving us, transforming us, sanctifying us into the image of Christ. Lord, be pleased to do that even in the midst of the troubles that we are now suffering and many of us, Lord, and the things that we are suffering personally, nationally, globally, locally. Lord, you see them all. Do your work for the sake of Christ and his glory in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and we're seeing last hymn, hymn number 347.